When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of AMA. I am your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I'm going to be answering your questions. And question number one is from Steve. You mentioned many times that on your way, you had to toughen up to become an entrepreneur. Since you went through this experience already, in retrospect, what would be your concrete steps that you would undertake to toughen up until your desired level? Uh, in addition to the 25 bullet point belief system. Okay, so um, the thing that I have or the things that I use on a daily basis now that have really been a huge part of my toughening up process has been, um, and and this is definitely, I didn't do them all at first and some of them I've only recently added. So this is me, um, like you said, in retrospect. So number one, getting your diet right. The biggest part of getting your diet right isn't just that you're going to be mentally optimized, which is huge if you want to have discipline and all of that stuff. They're, they're actually, um, depending on what you eat and sleep, by the way, uh, really impacts the, the connections in your, I think it's the prefrontal cortex, of course, that, um, gives you the ability to delay gratification and to have discipline. So um, that's a big one, and it's wildly impacted by what you eat and your sleep. On top of that, not eating certain things is huge. Being able to put something off, to not eat the marshmallows, they say, and if you guys don't know the very famous um, Stanford marshmallow experiment, it is one of the most interesting things in psychology, and it goes like this. Uh, a researcher at Stanford had these kids come in. They were like, I don't know, five or six, something like that, maybe seven, and he said, all right, here's a marshmallow, and you can eat that now, or if you wait, then I'll give you a second marshmallow, essentially double your money, but you're going to have to wait until I come back. And what the kid doesn't know is that the researcher is going to leave and they're never coming back. And they just want to wait and see how long before you eat that marshmallow. And what they found was the kids that could put off eating it the longest, and they ended up following them for like 25 years, the kids that could put off eating it the longest ended up doing the best in life. So they went to the best colleges, got the best grades, had the most successful relationships, uh, made the most money. I mean, it was crazy. Like on every metric that you could think to judge somebody's success they were the more successful. And the ability to delay gratification is huge. So part of that toughening up process was that, the ability to say, this is what I'm eating today. No matter how much I want something else, no matter how hungry I get, I'm not going to eat. That's been huge. Fasting has been huge. So every day I do a 16-hour fast, um, but I also do prolonged fast at least once a year, a very long fast. I'll do a five hour, a five hour. I'll do a five day fast, um, once a year. And then I'm thinking about this year beginning to sprinkle in more, um, frequent 24 hour fasts and just not eating. And the number of times that your body is telling you, Hey, go eat, go grab something. You can have that. Hey, woo, look at that. It's delicious. Have one. Um, the number of times that your brain does that is really crazy. And so you have to really get a hold of that. Um, another thing that speaks directly to toughening up is cold showers. 
And this was something, hopefully, a bunch of you joined me on, the cold shower challenge that I kicked off at the beginning of the year in honor of the episode with Wim Hof. Man, I did not expect cold showers to have such a profound impact on me. But the reality is you want to talk about getting tough? Take a cold shower every day. Man, knowing that you're about to get in and you get that, like, blast of Arctic water is rough, but it forces you to one, face that and get in the cold water, even though you don't want to, it's really pretty powerful. And then the second one is you begin to regulate your emotions as you're standing there in the water, which gives you the ability to um, toughen up probably isn't the right word for this, but it's in the same vein of being able to set an intention, have a goal and march towards that goal, whether or not it's difficult. And I will definitely put in the tough camp, I'll put emotional resiliency and emotional resiliency. I probably need to find a better word for this. But what I'm talking about is the ability to be hit with a lot of external stimuli, negative external stimuli, the kind of thing that shakes most people and being able to stay the course. So whether it's not getting offended, uh, which I see people do all the time, and it seems like a massive waste of time and energy and is not people staying their course. It is people who are getting knocked off and allowing themselves to partake in outrage culture, which I think is an absurd waste of time. Um, But being able to be emotionally resilient, to not get knocked off track, to no matter what external stimuli is coming in, you ask yourself one simple question. What do I want? Where am I going? And what exactly do I need to do to get there? And having that clarity of vision and then staying the course, no matter what's happening, is hard as hell. Practicing by being in a cold shower is one of the most profound ways that I've seen to do that. The other thing that I would do is work out. Working out, for me anyway, absolutely sucks. I hate it. I do not do it because I like it. I know some people do. My wife, for instance, if I even intimate that she should take a day off the gym because we have a meeting or something and the only time I can do it is while she's working out, that does not go over well. And she really gets something out of it that I don't. But nonetheless, I do it because it's hard. I do it because you meet yourself in fatigue. You meet yourself in the hard things. When you're doing something that is hard, when you're doing the things that you don't want to do, that's exactly when you find out where you're really at. It is a gut check, man. You figure out whether you have the fortitude right now or that weak voice is screaming in your mind so much that you can hardly see straight. And at those moments... You definitely need to have practiced, trained to be able to stay the course, to overcome that, to push yourself. All right. So those are the things that I would say fall directly into the camp of like toughening up. Um, But there are a whole host of other things that I would say fall along those lines, things like meditating. I mentioned sleep. Uh, There are other things that feed into it, Um, but we'll leave it at that for now. Sam, what are some chronological steps, activities, exercises to define your goals when you feel a bit meh? At the moment, I'm not really sure what my goals are short term or long term or what kind of life I really want to live. I guess you could say I have hit a mental roadblock. I've tried vision boarding, listening to content like yours, etc., but haven't found something that has sparked further inspiration. Could you recommend some additional steps, exercises to take to work on defining goals, or is it just a matter of patience? Well, long-time listeners know how I feel about that. 
I am also considering taking some time to travel and hoping that the break will add some clarity to my life. Is there something, is this something that you would support? Yes, very much that is something that I would support. And if you know Kevin Kelly, he talks about not prematurely optimizing. I think that is so smart. Here's the big problem. What you're facing is the same thing that basically everyone faces. That is, hey, all this talk about passion, all this talk about purpose, meaning having a mission in life, what's my why, all of that, that must be for other people, it's not for me, because nothing feels right. So here's the punchline to that. There is no magic why, passion, um, love, hiding within you. There isn't. You're going to have to develop it. So passion Having a mission, a why, is not an archaeological dig. It is not uncovering something that has been latent inside of you your entire life. It is about realizing that there are some things you find more interesting than others. But that's it. That's all it's ever going to be. So yes, there is that bit of discovery where it's like, hey, you have to go experience the world, which is why I think traveling is a great idea. It's going to shake up your frame of reference. It's going to force you to see things from a totally different perspective. And I think that is rad. And it's going to hopefully allow you to encounter a lot of different things and a lot of different ideas. And from that, you're going to find the thing that sparks your interest. But it's just going to be interest. From there, it's not about being patient. It's about actively developing. It's about choosing. It's picking one and saying, I'm going to go at this a hundred miles an hour. And by the way, if as I go down this path, I don't enjoy it, I can always change direction. I will forever be vigilant about whether or not I'm always changing a direction because that then becomes a sign of a lack of grit. So I would say, if you think this could be the thing and you go all in on something and you've made that switch more than three or four times, I would say we have a grit problem more than anything, which some people will call a commitment problem. But I will say it's somebody who has fallen in love with the neurochemistry of the new, and they haven't figured out how to navigate the changing neurochemistry of something that goes from new and exciting, like a cocaine rush, and it becomes something more mature, something that has to do with pushing past your limits doing the hard things, really valuing yourself for your willingness to um, force yourself into an adaptation mode, which comes from doing a lot of boring shit, which comes from pushing long after it stopped being fun and has everything to do with you decided that there was something important enough in your life that requires these skills. And because that thing is so important to you that you're going to get these skills no matter what it takes. Now, sometimes it may be something that you have a visceral reaction, like let's take music, learning to play an instrument. Now, you're going to do a lot of boring stuff, but if playing for people, if playing that music, even just for yourself, takes you somewhere emotionally, then it's worth it. You want to be able to unlock that emotional journey by getting better at the physical side of the art form. And I think that when people can find that thing that has that sort of visceral impact, even if it's being, um, you know, a litigation attorney and you like being in the courtroom and you like defending somebody or you like going, you know, for justice, like whatever your thing is, if the innate act brings value to you and feeds into what you have decided is your purpose. And then, by the way, and so if it feeds into that, then it's going to make sense for you to keep pushing and gaining those skills. All right. Now. Going back to this whole decide thing, it really is that. It really is a process. You really do just decide that you're going to make something important in your life. And through repetition, 
it's going to actually begin to take on meaning in your life. So you're going to tell yourself that you're about that thing, justice, whatever. You're going to tell yourself that you're all about that thing. You're going to act in accordance with that. You're going to develop a skill set that allows you to serve not only yourself, but other people that feeds into this why that you've decided is going to be your shtick. And you're going to just repeat it to yourself, repeat it to other people and pursue it in sincerity. When you start doing that, you're going to see over time, it really does take on a visceral level of importance in your life, which means as you do it, no one's going to have to convince you to feel cool about it or rad that you're doing these things. You're just actually going to feel that. So that is the punchline. There isn't anything hiding within you. You need to be active. You need to go explore. Don't prematurely optimize. Go explore. Find your areas of interest. None of them will be self-evidently going to be the thing that you should dedicate your life to. You're going to pick one. You're going to try it. You're going to go down the path of gaining mastery. All right. Question is from Anonymous. I've been struggling to resist the urge to compare my lives with that of my peers and family. I'm in my late 20s and I'm still very much in my Kevin Kelly's phase of getting lost and not trying to prematurely optimize my fascinations. While I already know that my personal and career goals are very different from that of my peers and family, and I'm happy with what I'm currently pursuing, I can't seem to shake these isolating and lonely feelings that I'm missing out on being there for big milestones in my family and friends lives while I'm across the country pursuing my goals? Is this something that can be reconciled? And how can I change my mindset to not be so hyper-focused on comparison? So this really comes down to what do you want in life? And you're going to really need to lean into that. And if what you're doing is just sort of interesting to you, then maybe it's not worth being there pursuing your, um, you know, pursuing your goals because your goals may not mean that much to you. And that's why you've got this siren call to return home to be a part of that. Now, if on the other hand, these goals are really meaningful to you, and that is why you're so far away pursuing that stuff, then may I give you a mantra that Lisa and I use all the time. We chose this life. We chose this life because that is a powerful reminder that my life is exactly the way that I've constructed it, that I'm doing the things that I'm doing because I believe in it and I want to have that kind of impact. And it's exactly the kind of life that I would build from the ground up. And that doesn't mean that it doesn't have ups and downs. It doesn't mean that it doesn't have trade-offs. It absolutely does. But I chose this life. I've built it intentionally because it is the life that maximizes my sense of fulfillment. And that at the end of the day is what it's all about. Are you fulfilled? Are you busting your ass to build a skill set that means something to you and that has value not just to you, but to other people as well? If you're doing that, then feed into that. Remind yourself that you built this life. Remind yourself of what this stuff means to you. And every time that you're missing out on something, don't focus on the thing that you're missing out on. Focus on what you're getting by pursuing these dreams and what you're going to bring to the world and how you're going to um, continue to drive yourself to be a better version of yourself, to convert that potential and to actually realize utility. Now, if you're doing that over and over and over, I think that over time, you will see that you begin to have less negative impact from the times where you're missing something because you've really built that desire into your life to transform yourself into somebody capable of doing the thing that you're pursuing 
and that as long as that gives you deep meaning in life, I think that you'll see that the trade-offs on the other stuff is, is pretty small. The problem is oftentimes people are pursuing something that they don't really care about or they haven't taken the time, even though they care about it, they haven't taken the time to really build in the intensity and turn that um, want into a crushing need. And I think once you do that, I think you're going to find that a lot of that comparison begins to drop away because at a neurochemical level, you're really going to be nourishing yourself with what you're doing and pursuing. All right. Next up is Josh. I'm 24, currently in a field that I have been in for four years now. I've cycled through the different subfields, but have not found something I feel passionate about and anything that I feel I'm having traction in. I keep thinking I should stick it out. The change is just around the corner. On top of that, my old man has a business in the same field, and there has been talk about myself moving into the business, but I don't know if I want it. So from all of that, I feel stuck, unmotivated, and lacking drive to perform, which is shown. Should I still stick it out in my current field or venture into something new regardless of never trying new fields? So here's the thing. If you're conflicted, you at least need to go try this stuff. It can be a nights and weekends thing. You don't have to try these things um, you know, by burning the ships and like, I'm leaving my business and I want nothing to do with this. It doesn't have to be like that. Like There is some amount of spare time where you could go engage with those things and you will see very quickly whether as you engage with it they are so much fun that you're like wow i really don't care what i'm giving up i want to be the best in the world at this like there is something that you could go and pursue becoming the best in the world that would fill you with excitement in a way that you can't yet imagine go find that thing now it's going to require that you explore it's going to require that you try things it's not going to be something that you can just think your way into and since we've already mentioned kevin kelly i will bring him up again you have to go play go get lost you can't pre prematurely optimize which it sounds like is exactly what's happening to you and so if you're not sure if you want your dad's business, let me tell you the easiest way to figure that out is to go try some other things. You may try those things and realize, oh my God, I want my dad's business. These other things suck. And now I realize, and having tried them, I realize just how much I actually love this thing. And now that pathway opens up to you. You can feed into that. You can begin to tell yourself and others how much you love that thing. You can begin to focus on how becoming the best in the world at that thing is actually giving you the skill set that's going to allow you to serve yourself and serve other people and let that drive the meaning in your life. And then all of a sudden, as you begin to build that inferno, it really takes over and it takes on a life of its own. And yes, you're going to need to continue to feed it. But when you build that thing, it's radiating off all this heat, all this energy, because you're legitimately excited about the thing that you're doing. But if you've never tried other things and they continue to haunt you, nights and weekends, man, get out there, try this stuff, see. And then if something just knocks your socks off and you're like, whoa, I've never felt about anything the way that I feel about this. And it's just calling to me. And even though I may not ever be able to make as much money doing this thing, it makes me so much happier. Remember, the day-to-day -day part of your life, the thing that you do on a day-to-day -day basis and how it makes you feel, that is your life. No matter how much money you make, your life is actually the thing that you do on a day-to-day -day basis. So you want to make sure that you're doing something that fills you up. And I really think the right question to answer in a case like this is what do you want to be the best in the world at? Because when you know that thing that you're willing to bleed for, that becoming truly extraordinary and the boredom that you're going to have to fight through and all of that, once you know what that thing is, that you want to do that, that it fills you up, that it gives you more energy than it's taking, that it's filling you with excitement. And there's just something about the struggle and the grind of that particular thing that amps you up. And when you think about how good you're going to get, 
that fills you with this energy and excitement that gets you out of bed and gets you going. And look, not every day is going to be roses, but there is something out there that's going to really light you on fire. And or when you do those other things, you realize just how good the thing is that you already have. But either way, you have to go try. The next question is from Justin. I'm at a crossroads and unable to make a massive decision that will affect the rest of my life. I found my passion in life and that thing that I would do almost every day if money was no object. That is riding and racing motorcycles. The trouble is that my passion is extremely expensive and costs over $25,000 per year minimum out of my pocket to do at the level that will allow me to ever be noticed professionally. I currently make less than fifty dollars per year with almost no upside at my day job and am positive I will never be satisfied working for someone else's dreams. Because of this, I started a side business that can allow me to work on something with real potential upside. My question is, do I pursue the thing I love indefinitely and live completely broken hopes that something works out? Or do I put racing on hold and use up those funds and focus on the business and getting out of the day job? Okay. So this is where we have to remind ourselves that what we do on a day-to-day basis is really all that matters. And grinding it out for the hopes that one day it turns into something is a very dangerous strategy because I will tell you right now, the struggle is guaranteed, the success is not. So going and doing something that you hate in the hopes that it will make you enough money that you can one day go do your thing is is not a, a wise choice. On the other hand, I really believe that there are ways that you can get much closer to the thing that you love, to meet the people that you need to meet, to be in a position where um, luck may rear its head. And as they say, luck is like a bus. There's another one coming all the time. You just have to have the fare to get on. So if you're working for a company that does this for a living, being closer to racing, being some part of that machinery so that you know all the players, that you can tell them what you're up to, where you want to go. And if you're delivering a crushing amount of value, you are the best employee that they have. They have crushing fear of loss of losing you because you're that fucking good. Let me tell you, there are going to be opportunities that will open up for you where even if it's just you want to be introduced to people, um, that you want access to something that maybe they can get for free that you can't get, um, that is certainly what I would do. I would just say that proximity is very meaningful. So going and getting a job with a team that you really respect, that you want to be a part of being around the motorcycle racing. So that way, even if like you never end up becoming a racer because, you know, look, I want to say that it is possible and it certainly is possible, but also the odds are gnarly, right? And when I think about trying to build the next Disney, the odds are just so far stacked against me. And that's why I'm really careful to make sure that I love what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. That way it's like somewhat irrelevant whether I actually pull it off or not. It comes down to, I will have loved every day, busting ass, trying to do it. Um, And so I'm obviously always trying to put myself in the best position to meet the people that can help me and all that. Um, And so that is very much my suggestion. Make sure that what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, even if you never become the racer that you want to become, is something that you love and enjoy, which one will take some of the pressure off of whether you actually become um, the racer or not. And then the other is being around those people and being able to make an appeal um, to get opportunities to open up to you is really, really critical. And then the other thing is, what are things that you can do to really become extraordinary that don't cost as much money? Um, are there simulators? I mean, there are simulators for airplanes, so I don't know. Are there simulators for motorcycles? And you could be doing things that are so incredible there. One, that you'll see if you really want to um, go to that professional level. A lot of times people enjoy something as a hobby, but not as a profession because you have to fight through a 
lot of boredom, do something over and over and over and over and over uh, to really become extraordinary at it. Um, and then also, like, there's the burn the ships at the shore routine. And you can go and say, man, no matter what, I'm going to make this happen. And I'm going to give everything up that isn't pointed in that direction. Um, personally, I'm not a big fan of that. I think that there are ways to uh, protect your downside, to hedge your bets. But if you really want to become one of the most elite writers on the planet, there is an inhuman amount of sacrifices that are going to have to be made. And so the question is, how many of them can you make up front to get the attention of the right people to find a way to get around the $25,000? to make somebody believe in you enough to sponsor you or whatever the case may be. Um, so this is really a question of like, what's your temperament? So um, for me, I would rather take a longer term approach that I can do um, never hedging my or hedging my downside so that there's never a termination event. Um, and I'm probably more flexible of like, I want to be in the world of something rather than like either I'm the best racer of all time or I'm out because here's the reality about being the best racer of all time. Like that shit is fickle. Like there's a reason there's no 65 year old um, motorcycle racers, um, you know, in the main circuit. It, it's just a young man's game. That is the unfortunate reality. So um, anything like that, I'm always trying to think about career longevity and um, that is far more interesting to me. So anyway, the long and the short of it is you're going to have to get extraordinary at something. And that's either getting so extraordinary that even as an unknown, that you're able to get the attention of people who now want to sponsor you or to be so extraordinary that you can get inside the company and they have fear of loss and they will give you access to things that they might not otherwise give you. Um, or even just getting so good at something that they value that you can make enough money there, you know, call it $150,000, $250,000 where you could then afford um, the money to do this uh, very expensive thing. But it is very possible to get that good at a job so that you're getting paid that much. I'm just saying make sure that that job is something that you love enough to really become the best in the world at it. Meg. I feel trapped in my own mind, which is probably one of the worst things to experience. I have anxiety issues and am currently seeking therapy to correct this behavior. I've been feeling kind of depressed lately because not only am I not happy in where I'm at in life, but I don't know where to go. Music was always my passion, but I was never consistent with it. I guess I just didn't believe I can do it. So now I'm 30 years old, lesbian, feeling stuck and overwhelmed. I still live with my parents, which makes me feel ashamed to say at my age. My question is, how do I find a career path I may be interested in so I can leave my parents' nest? And how can I build the confidence to believe in myself? Wow, man, this is so rad. Thank you so much for sharing this. Like, what a um, vulnerable question to ask. And I'm super honored whenever people... Um, really open up like that. So here is what you're going to do. So one, you've got to get a hold of the self-talk and you've got to stop worrying about um, staying in your parents' house and, and start reframing it this way. I am so grateful that I have parents that let me stay here that are giving me the space to figure out what I want to do. And I'm going to honor that by really putting in the time and energy to explore the things that I think I'm going to love. Now, if music is something you already know you love and the only thing that's holding you back is you're not allowing yourself to believe that you can do it, just remember this. Right now, you probably really are average. You, you may even just be bad at music because that's one of those skills that you have to really take the time to develop. But here's what you have to ask yourself. Do you love it? Like, do you really enjoy it? 
And is the thought of becoming the best in the world at that, is that something that is intoxicating for you, that's exciting for you? Because if it is, then you already have the path you need to walk. Now, remember, going into music doesn't mean that you're committing to yourself that what you really want to be is like the next big rock star. Don't worry about that. Committing to it is about getting extraordinary and being able to express yourself and being able to make a living. And unfortunately, that is a part of the importance here. And I think being able to make a living is going to make you feel better about yourself. That's going to be this whole self-reinforcing cycle of developing self-worth. So as you're going down this path, you want to be thinking about what are things that I can learn in music that are going to allow me not only to get better at my craft, but also be able to monetize. That way you're essentially killing two birds with one stone. And so it's like anybody that wants to be an entrepreneur. I will tell you one of the easiest ways to essentially monetize your growth is to learn about sales or learn about marketing, something that is absolutely critical for what you're going to be doing for yourself, but is also immediately monetizable. So you want to put yourself in that kind of situation. So whether it's teaching music, whether it's um, playing in a wedding band, whatever it is, something that's going to allow you to put in the rep. So I'll tell you a story from the Beatles. So the Beatles end up obviously taking over the world, but they said what nobody understands is that for like a year or two years, they played in like this small town in Germany and they were at this club and they would play something like five hours a day, six days a week. And they said it was because of that that we ended up gelling as a band, that we ended up becoming very competent musicians. And if it wasn't for that time, we never would have become the Beatles that people know now. But people, of course, don't think about that. They don't think about like when you run the math on how many hours that is, it's crazy town. And so finding a way where you can be monetizing your growth, that's always uh, incredibly powerful. So if you can find something that you can do now in the music field that is monetizable, even if it's a universe of solutions, so being an accountant at a record label or um, in a recording studio or something, I mean, that actually could be uh, amazing if you need access to equipment that you don't otherwise have, like being a receptionist at that and um, taking a reduced salary so that you can get time on the equipment. I mean, whatever, there's like a thousand ways to figure this out. But if you really love that, and you just don't believe in it, then all you need to remember is I am, I was born hopelessly average, but I am hopelessly average human. And humans are the ultimate adaptation machine. So being average, being the sort of average greatest adapt, uh, being the <laughs> average greatest adaptation machine ever that the world has ever seen is actually a great place to be. I don't think I've ever in recording an AMA had that much trouble putting a sentence together, but you get the idea. So um, you want to be putting yourself in that position where all you have to believe in is that you can get good. And once you're in that position that all you have to believe in is that you can get good, then it's about putting one foot in front of the other and continuing to develop yourself. So do that in a way where you can begin bringing in some money and I think you're going to feel a lot better. And even if it's in the beginning, you're just making enough money maybe to pay rent um, at your parents' place, that could be a great way to begin to feel like you're really contributing there um, and begin to feel a lightening of the load emotionally to start down that path of really beginning to own your life. So um, that would be my advice. And then I'd really start working on your identity, making sure that you're focusing on being the learner, um, making sure that you're not judging yourself by what you've accomplished thus far, but judging yourself by what you're willing to sincerely pursue on a day-to-day -day basis. Okay. KP. I've struggled with a problem my whole life and I've just figured out what it is 
and or what to call it. Now, I don't know if this is the correct term for my situation, but I believe I have something called approval addiction. I've struggled with this my whole life, and at such a dangerous subconscious level that approval addiction dictates 90% of my overall life. Literally everything I do or every thought my conscious mind produces, it's always... It always tries to achieve the most approval of others, even if I know it won't even catch their attention. I don't know what to do and would love if you could take a look at, uh, look into what this really is. Okay, so um, here's the thing. First of all, working with a professional is probably the right answer here. If you're saying that 90% of your life is dictated by your need for approval, um, you're going to want somebody that's going to be able to work with you in an ongoing fashion. So what I'm going to try to do now is give you a bit of a spark and impetus, um, a thing that you can do in the short term, but this needs to be the thing that just allows you to get up and and start going um, because you're going to need somebody that you can communicate with back and forth that can help you as you progress that will see that you're making progress. Um, And I think that's a a big part of it and, you know, will adjust with you um, as things need to be adjusted. So um, I would read virtually everything by Daniel Amen. Um, He writes a lot about how to disrupt thoughts. Um, He has this concept called ants, automatic negative thoughts, and how to disrupt them. And it's basically classic cognitive behavioral therapy. And what you're going to want to do is every time you have that impulse to please somebody to make a decision based on what they think, you're going to interrupt that thought um, and use it as a habit loop trigger to remember that you don't need to please them. And if it were me, and now I'm purely speaking what works with my personality, and this is why you want to go work with a therapist, um, but if it were me and I were trying to solve this problem for myself, I would, the moment that I felt the need to please that person, I would immediately force myself to do something that I know will be displeasing to them. Um, I had this thing because I'm a real rule follower, like I don't like breaking rules, and so I realized that was holding me back, and so I started doing shit like um, park my car facing the wrong direction um, on the street. Now, nobody's getting hurt. I'm not hurting anyone, but it is very much illegal. And I could get a parking ticket and I would force myself to do that because it reminded me that I choose to follow rules, but I don't have to follow rules. And so I follow rules when they make sense, when they take me where I want, when they make the world a better place. Uh, But I don't need to just blindly follow rules. And so that is one of the critical lessons that I had to learn as an entrepreneur because let me tell you, when you're an entrepreneur, if you're taking no, if you're allowing people to shut you down, if you're um, just sort of stepping into line, you're just never going to get where you want to go. And it was so hard for me to be brash and to be bold and to um, you know step out of line and say, I'm going to go get this, like whether people want me to get it or not. And so, yeah, I used to do things like parking facing the wrong way um, just to really get out of my comfort zone and uh, do little things that allowed me to overtake that need to fall in line. So I would do things like that. There's a book, I have not read it yet, but this comes highly recommended um, by someone that I trust about cognitive behavioral therapy called Feeling Better, I think. Um, Bear with me. I'm going to look this up right now as we go on my phone Um, into that Audible. Yeah, what's up, Audible? Um, And sorry, it's loading. Oh, God, dead air, dead air. Uh, the book is feeling good. Yeah. So I haven't started it yet, but, uh, feeling good, the new mood therapy. And from what I'm told, that is all about cognitive behavioral therapy, which, um, I think is probably the best, um, form of mental therapy. So it's probably better than talk therapy, um, and all of that good stuff. And it's by David D. Burns, MD, feeling good. 
Next up is from N. We have a lot of uh, initials today. And to provide some context, I am working in the field of artificial intelligence, AI, and data science for the last few years and built my career around it. This is also my passion, and I regularly upgrade myself by learning new technologies in the field. I have also started following your advice and taking care of my diet and exercise. However, I do not feel content with my work and feel the only way to find happiness is to do something on my own. Even if I have to struggle and don't find the ultimate success, I would like to pursue work in the field field of artificial intelligence, but do not have a clear idea of what to do. I am looking for your advice on how to proceed. Do I get a, do I keep my safe job and do something on the side or do I take a chance and make an all out effort? So I'm a huge believer that you do not need to burn the ships at the shore. Some of this comes down to personality type. Some people, um, they're very okay with massive amounts of risk. For me, I just don't see the upside and having that level of stress. So even when we were um, at Quest, when we were first starting it, we still had the technology company. So it's not like we jettisoned that and then said, well, I hope this thing works out. We really started proving the market to make sure that Quest is going to work before we jump ship. And that meant working a lot of nights and weekends. Um, but we did it. And I was super enthusiastic about it. And a big part of this is, you know, are you interested enough in what you're doing? And so if you really love AI, um, man, then you should be intrigued the more you engage with it. And I shouldn't be able to keep you away nights and weekends. You should want to be doing this stuff. And that's the kind of position you want to be in. Don't be doing AI because you think it's the future. Be doing AI because you're really into it. And if you're doing AI because you're really into it, then man, nights and weekends isn't something that somebody's asking of you. It's like playing video games or watching a movie. Like you're super stoked on it. You want to do it. You're fed by getting better at it. And you're fed by thinking about how having that skill is going to let you do things because those things are something that's very exciting to you. Um, so that is my advice. Literally press stop on this and just go code. Go do something in the AI field and start getting better because there's no way to shortcut the talent curve. You're just going to have to fucking get good. And to get good, you're going to have to put in an extraordinary number of hours. So let those hours start right now. And now to everybody except N, um, I will go to the next question. All right. Savly. Oof, probably close to that. I'm 17 and I'm in the second... In the second last year of school, I'm guessing second to last year of school, um, as I want to apply to the top universities in the UK, I would need to get some solid work experience this year in a well-known company. The problem is that I chose software engineering and the only internships that are offered are long in duration and require at least a graduate level. I realize that the only advantage I have and can offer to a tech company is a crazy work ethic and enthusiasm to learn. What would you do if you were in my position? Would you just knock on a thousand company doors and try to impress them? with your desire to learn or instead of trying to get work experience work on the solid skills and get better in the field of software or something completely different okay so um i i will say this whatever we're doing it really has to be with the end goal in mind so i get the feeling that your end goal is actually university more than it is getting a job. Because I was about to give you advice about um, really just buckling down, focusing on the hard skills, getting really fucking extraordinary at coding. Because at the end of the day, if you can code like a maniac and you can express that in an interview, no one is going to care um, whether or not you have a degree. But um, judging by the way that you worded that you may be more interested in actually getting into university than you are just getting good. So if our goal is to get into university, then and we know that what they want to see is work experience and we need to knock on a thousand doors, right? It's asking what is our goal demand? 
you're going to go knock on the thousand doors. You're going to make sure that you get um, the work experience that you need. You are going to dazzle them with your um, enthusiasm and your willingness to learn. And also, you're going to research the shit out of those companies. You're going to figure out what they value so that in that interview, you're going to tailor your interview to that company because there is nothing worse than somebody walking in. I'm telling you from experience, it drives me fucking crazy when people interview with me and they don't even know the fucking company. They don't know like what we do or what we value. Like it's bananas. So yeah, that's crazy. So you're going to tailor it. So it's going to be far less the, you know, just shotgun approach of the knocking on a thousand doors and far more being prepared to knock on a thousand doors, but taking each one of them deadly seriously as you go in well prepared for that interview, learning from each interview, um, figuring out what people consider to be valuable and somebody in your position, finding out, has anybody talked about interviewing with that company before? Uh, because if they have, they may tell you exactly the kind of thing that they're looking for um, and going in and having that Tom Bilyeu level of research on every interview that you do, um, I'm going to say that very quickly you will be able to get a position um, without necessarily meeting all of the prerequisites. When people are that prepared, people tend to want to move forward. Now, you have to differentiate between being memorized and being actually to a place where you understand where they're coming from. You can think definitely on your feet um, because it's not cool when you're talking to somebody who's clearly just memorized a bunch of answers. Like really be you um, and let your real enthusiasm shine through. Don't try to fake it. All right, Emma Lovell. The one thing I struggle with is following through with goals I set for myself. I will say I want to do things like start a blog, make YouTube videos, start a Shopify store. I will start, but I will never follow through with it. It really annoys me. I'm working on this by starting small and following through with small small tasks I set for myself each day, reading, working out, walking, etc. I don't know if I set myself too many goals at once, which I can't balance, or if I need to dig deeper in myself to figure out why. One thing that does come to mind is that my mom is inconsistent. Uh, she says she will do a thing but doesn't follow through, which ironically annoys me, yet I do the same thing. Please help. What are your thoughts? All right, so um, don't use your mom as an excuse. So you need to define what you want for your life and then get after it. So this is one of those things where identity is really everything. You know what the problem is. And the reality is that you just don't want it that badly. And this is the the hardest question to deal with because the one thing I can't do for people, I can't want it for you. But you can learn to want things with a fiery intensity. And like anything, want, desire is a buildable muscle. It is something that you can fan the flames of. So the easiest analogy is definitely a fire. So first, you have to build a fire that actually has a chance of um, going up. So you're going to start with kindling. You're going to start with things that are very dry. So kindling is um, small things that catch a light very easily. You're going to prop them up typically so that there's air for the fire. And then as that gets burning, then and only then when there's a nice big flame, are you going to set something on top of it that's bigger, that takes a little bit longer to start burning? Um, and you're going to fan those flames. You're going to feed it oxygen. And then as that's really ripping and roaring, then you can add more and more and more until you've got some just absolutely crazy bonfire. Instead, what I think most people think of is they think of building this gigantic fucking structure and then they're going to pour gas on it. That's exactly how people blow up. So don't do that. Build a fire the intelligent way. Understand that the way that life works is it starts with a small area of interest and then you have to like on that. So 
The same is true of want. The same is true of wanting to be a better person. You've got to turn it into a crushing fucking need. You've got to get to the point where you simply will not tolerate from yourself not getting up and doing things, not following through. You've got to make it your identity. You've got to tell people that's who you are. You've got to repeat it in your head over and over and over. And then you've got to really fucking value it. You've got to really like care about it. And when you have a good outcome, you've got to reward yourself emotionally. It doesn't mean a bowl of ice cream, but it does mean you go, fuck yeah. I said I was going to do that and I did it. That's what I'm talking about. That's exactly me being who I want to be. And this is all going to stack. This is the exact shit I say in my heads. It is not words like this. It is these exact words. When I follow through and I do something that I didn't want to do and nobody's watching it, I know that I could have gotten away without doing it and I still did it. That's when I'm like feeling good about myself and I'm saying those things in my head and I'm like, yeah, man, you said you were going to do this and you did it. This is why you win when other people don't win. This is why other people give up. You don't give up. And when you repeat these things in your head, when you're saying things like, man, I follow through. I follow through. When I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And you're going to just right now immediately begin making that change in your story. You're going to make that change in what you repeat in your head. And then you're going to follow fucking through. And when you don't follow through, you've got to own that. You've got to tell people, yo, I said I was going to do that and I didn't do it. Man, for a long time, AMA, part of it was me holding myself accountable that I was going to own up, confess when I didn't do something that I said I was going to do. And having that level of accountability, having a group of friends or your parents or whatever, who you, every time you fail to do something that you tell them, man, real fast, you start holding yourself accountable because you don't want to say it. It sucks. It sucks to not be the person that you, that you say to yourself that you're going to be. And once it sucks, that's the building of that need. Once it's awesome when you do it, that's the building of that need. That's turning that want into a raging inferno. But you've got to do the work. All right, everybody. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary.